Hello, and welcome to the Becoming Italian podcast. My name is Caleb, and along with my co-host Ben, we'll attempt to demystify the process of obtaining Italian citizenship recognition, Yore Sanguinis. As always, our normal disclaimer applies. Uh, ben and I are not lawyers or experts. We're just experienced amateurs hoping to provide some guidance for people attempting to go through the Yore Sanguinis citizenship recognition process. Be sure to consult your own lawyers, advisors, or experts before you make any decisions based on the information contained here. In this episode, we talk about living and traveling in Italy. We cover the Italian train system, how to buy tickets, what to expect when riding the train in Italy, and our experiences traveling to various cities. We also talk a bit about Italian food and the differences between Italian and American culinary culture. This episode is a little bit less focused on Yore Sanguinis issues specifically, but it should be informative for anyone planning a trip to Italy for the first time. Okay, episode five. To get started, um, why don't we talk a little bit about our travels in Italy and where we've been uh, for some context on sort of our experiences. Um, so when you when you were in Italy, Ben, where did you where did you travel to, and then where did you ultimately end up sort of staying uh, the most time? So uh, I flew into Milan first. Uh, I actually was uh, coming from vacation in Israel. Uh, flew into Milan. I did sort of the the tourist run, if you will. So I took a train. My cousin and I took a train from Milan to uh, Florence. And then from Florence, we went to Venice. And then from Venice, we went back to, uh, actually went to Naples and then Rome. Um, I was spending the majority of my time in Rome, obviously, as I've shared, uh, you know, becoming uh, or trying to become a citizen there and working the process. But I chose Rome for a couple of reasons. One is, is I really wanted to explore the city. I wanted to be able to see all of the stuff in Rome. And I can see I, I pretty much have. Um, the other part is, is it, it's Rome. You know, Rome has such a cultural distinction to me. For me, mentally, it just checked all the boxes. And, you know, I I had easy train transport anywhere in the country. It's one of the two main hubs. Uh, the other one being Milan. Um, the other part is that the two two major airports, you know, it, it just it, it really worked for me. And it's, it's where I decided I wanted to spend my time. And what were your sort of impressions of... Um the places you travel to and then the sort of difference between living in Rome versus like traveling around other places. And, and, you know, that's typically a very different experience if you're sort of vacationing somewhere versus actually living there. Yeah. So we, we've talked a little bit about that uh, personally. Um, you know, some of the differences in Italian life versus, you know, American life, but uh, you know, probably my favorite trip, well, over there was when I went to uh, Pompeii by myself. It was uh, 940 at night. I was in my apartment in Prati. Um, and I just thought, you know what? I want to go see Pompeii. And I didn't buy a train ticket or anything like that. I just pulled up my phone. I pulled up an app called uh, My Taxi, which got renamed now, I believe. But uh, pulled up an app, ordered a cab, had it drive me to the central station. And then I just bought a train ticket. An hour later, I was in uh, Napoli or Naples. I spent the night at uh, the Ibis Hotel, uh, which is right there in the center square, basically. Um, then the next morning, I uh, got up, went to Pompeii, and stayed for three days, and then came back. But that was probably my the the trip I sort of remember the most uh, because it's 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 something I really wanted to do, but 
having just done that trip, I realized like how connected Rome was versus other parts of the country. Uh, trains only ran at certain times down there. Uh, everyone who's been to Italy or has looked up Italy is probably familiar with the Amalfi Coast. So it's got a ton of tourists on every train. Uh, in Napoli, for example, to get to Pompeii, you've got to go to the basement of uh, Napoli Centrale, which is the train station, um, which was not clear to me from any of the signs. It's actually kind of annoying. But, uh, you know, pro- easily my, my favorite trip. Um, but it really sort of solidified to me that, you know, Rome was the right spot for me based on I could get on a train and be, you know, coast to coast in Italy within about two or three hours, depending on where I was trying to go. And that's a great um, thing to point out for, especially for Americans, I think. Uh, we're not used to being able to just hop on a train and, and go to another city a couple hundred miles away or whatever uh, on a whim like that, right? Like typically that's something you'd have to plan in advance or you'd end up flying or driving most likely. Um, whereas in Italy, especially if you're in a, a hub, um, you know, like Rome or Milan or... I spent a couple months in Bologna. It's kind of similar because the the trains going from like Milan uh, and Venice to Rome pass through Bologna. Uh, it's a bit of a, a connection station. So similar to Rome, probably you can kind of hop on a train uh, in Bologna. You can be in Venice, you can be in Milan, or you can be in Florence or Rome all within, you know, between one and say three hours or something like that. Um, I spent, as you know, like six months uh, living in Napoli as well. It's not as well connected, um, but it's only, as you experience, about an hour to Rome. So it's still pretty easy. You know, you, you get up to Rome and then you change trains. You can go more or less anywhere you want to go. Um, that situation obviously changes south of Napoli. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time south of Napoli except for the Amalfi Coast. Obviously, when I lived in Napoli, I would go down to the Amalfi Coast on weekends and stuff a lot. Uh, but besides that, I haven't really taken a train you know further south um anecdotally i've heard from people that have that you know things kind of get worse from there so like the availability of the trains and the reliability the scheduling of them um and buses and things like that get more and more difficult um sort of friends that have been down there and experienced it their recommendation was if you're going south of napoli look into renting a car um, and then you can you drive your car around and you can get between all the little towns down there and things that probably don't have bus service, uh, definitely won't have train service. Um, you know, so you won't be stuck with just kind of sticking with the main rail lines or the main bus stations. You'll have more flexibility. And some of the best places in the south of Italy, I think, are kind of off the main uh, transport path as well. Um, was your impression of the sort of train system there that it was, did you find it easy to use or more difficult? What was your, what was your sort of impressions there and how long did it take you to learn that and ramp up on that? Yeah. So uh, firstly, the trains, you know, for someone from Detroit where it takes six hours to get from Detroit to Chicago by train and probably more seven, uh, you know, you can drive it in two or three. Um, the trains in Italy were fantastic. It was my first experience with any sort of public transportation. Now, they don't really run on time, but it's only a couple minutes. It's usually not a huge deal. And if you show up to the train station, there's a giant sign that's going to tell you what's arriving and what's leaving. And it's going to tell you where your train is and how delayed it is. Um, 
it's 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 very uh, there's a ton of information in Rome. I can't speak of some of the more off beaten cities, like even in uh, I guess in Pompeii there was no sign or anything, but you just waited for the train to show up, and then you got on the train. Um, it really wasn't that complicated. All of it had to go back to Naples, anyways. Um, the only uh, the only problem, I guess I would say, with trains is if you are a stop along the route, which, you know, you might be for, for the most part, you're not, unless it's like a night train or something. If you're a, a stop along the route in a bullet train, uh, the train will not be on time and it will only stay for a few minutes. So, you know, it's, hypothetically, if it's supposed to be there at noon and it shows up at 1210, you know, if you're not there at 1210 waiting to get on that train, it's going to leave you. It's only going to be there for a few minutes. It's not like any other trains where they sit for 10 or 15, 20 minutes. They're in and out real fast. Um, so definitely something to be aware of if you're taking the Italian trains. But for the most part, I really enjoyed the trains. I have not taken them further south. Um, something we were just talking about privately is I plan on spending a lot of time in Italy in the upcoming year, in 2020. Um, perhaps we'll do a podcast about uh, living there again. But... Uh, you know, I'll really explore that network from there. But in my experience, going between all the tourist hubs, city trains, bullet trains, whatever, um, you know, the train system was fantastic. My experience as well. And I think anybody who is, you know, used to, for example, getting around airports in the U.S. could figure out the train system in Italy pretty quickly. There's a lot of actual similarities between like the, the boards that we'll have, there'll be like electronic boards in most of the bigger stations that will show you like the departure times of the trains. And then, you know, similar to how you'd have a gate in an airport, they'll have like the track number and the track numbers are all marked. You'll go through like some uh, ticket gates where you scan your ticket, right? And then you'll have all the tracks in a row there. You just go to whichever one you're going to and it'll, it'll either say the train's arriving soon or, you know, it'll already be there. You hop on, um, as you mentioned, if it's a if it's a stop along the route. So like when I was living in Bologna, typically that was a stop on the way to Milan or to Venice. Right. So if I was taking a train to one of those places, then you would have to show up at the station, look for your train number, um, you know, look for which track it's it's coming through on, get out to that track. And then you'd have like a typically an electronic sign near the track that would say like train number you know, seven two five or whatever, arriving in five minutes or ten minutes or delayed ten minutes, um, something like that, and then you just wait for that. When it shows up, you hop on. Uh, you'll have a couple minutes to to get on the train, and then it, it goes on its way. Um, typically, I found the trains to be fairly reliable and on time. Um, you know, maximum delays of say five to ten minutes generally, once maybe or twice. In the you know eight months I lived in Italy, um, I had trains that were delayed maybe 30, 40 minutes, but that was like once or twice. So from my perspective, um, maybe I have low expectations of public transit, uh, especially being from California. But you know it was it was pretty pretty decent. Um, I have German friends and Swiss friends that you know think the trains are horrible and never on time, but they have you know kind of a different sort of expectation I think for trains. Uh, when you bought your tickets, did you did you buy them just at the station or did you check out any of these sort of apps and things that help you manage and, and purchase tickets? So a couple parts there. First, train tickets are, Italian train tickets are unlike 
American plane tickets, or I guess just all plane tickets, it's not any cheaper to book it ahead of time. So if you're an upcoming tourist or something like that, don't even worry about it. If it's not a, a overbooked holiday like a New Year's Eve or uh, Christmas or Easter, and it's not, um, you know, you're, you're a little bit flexible on your time, I would just do it directly at the station. Uh, but, and I have done a lot of that. Um, I would use the phone app a lot, uh, Trenitalia and Treno. Um, you can use the phone app. I like Trenitalia more. I don't really know why I lean towards them. I just end up using them more. Um, the rest of, uh, the rest of the time though, it was pretty much always, actually really, it was pretty much always in person, but I'd use the app to kind of figure out the times. And for the most part, there's a new train to every location within 10 or 20 minutes. So it's, it's, it's generally not like a, you know, there's one train from Rome to Milan today. There's probably 50 trains between Rome and Milan and 20 of them are bullets and the rest are inner cities or regionals that are really slow. So it's, 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 uh, it was a mixed use for me, but uh, I wouldn't be so rigid with booking your train tickets. Like, booking plane tickets. Uh, and then the other side of this too is in Italy, something I never did. I'm not sure if you did, but you know, you can get Ryanair EasyJet tickets or uh, I forget the Italian airline company, but you can get tickets between cities for, you know, pretty much the same price as a train ticket. And it's probably really competitive on time. Uh, the Italian security in the airport is very strict, but they're also pretty friendly, pretty accommodating. And, it's not as long as TSA. They seem to handle it better. Um, you know, I was in and out of Rome security in probably five minutes, and there was a huge line. They just worked us all through. But uh, you can also take planes between the cities. There's some buses, I'm sure. Uh, but for me, it was all trains, and I did the majority of it at the stations. Yeah, and I, I tend to stick with the trains over the uh, planes just because I, I dislike, you know, the hassle of airport security. I do fly a lot, so... When I can avoid that, I, I tend to do that. I, and I've just always kind of liked trains and the experience of taking them. Uh, two quick points. So you mentioned Trenitalia and Treno. Um, those are the two sort of main train companies in Italy for all the intercity trains and stuff. I think those are the only companies that actually do intercity trains. Uh, Trenitalia does the vast majority. And then Treno has, um, I think, you know, just a few routes between the major cities that they run and they run, I think, exclusively bullet trains, uh, tend to be a little bit more expensive than Trenitalia, also a bit more luxurious. Um, I, I took their trains on longer trips generally. So like if I was going from Rome to Venice, uh, I found them to be a little more comfortable. Um, but that's just something to be aware of. They're basically the same thing. It doesn't really matter which train company you use. They both operate out of the same stations. They just have slightly different timings, pricing schedules and things like that, Trenitalia might be slightly cheaper. Uh, and most of the local trains are going to be Trenitalia. The other point uh, that's worth bringing up is the types of trains. So in Italy, you'll have the bullet trains and then you have the local trains. And I think there's some uh, what they call semi-express trains, which are sort of hybrid. So bullet trains typically go from one city to the other with very few stops. So like you can go from Milan to say Rome on the bullet train and it will stop in Bologna and it will stop in Florence and that's it. It's like two stops in between. As we mentioned previously, it'll be very quick stops. Um, it's not like a layover or something on a flight. 
they're just going to stop very quickly and then and then keep going. It's almost not even noticeable um, if you're going to, you know, say another city and just passing through. Uh, the local trains, on the other hand, will stop, you know, along the route at, at every small town and, and stop along the way. And that's how, you know, if you live in a small town that has a train line, then that's how you would get to like a hub like Florence or Bologna or Rome or Milan or something like that. You take a local train there and then you take a a faster train generally to, you know, another city if you're going further away. Uh, prices tend to be, well, they are almost always much, much lower on local trains. And then the faster trains, uh, the price goes up. Um, and you mentioned, you know, there's no real need to book in advance. There are some exceptions to that. I, I in my experience, um, there are like, economy tickets essentially there's an allocation of cheaper bullet train tickets um or fast train i don't know if bullet train is really the correct term there but there's an allocation of some amount of those tickets that will be sold uh at a discount and it's not timing based so if those don't sell out they'll still be available an hour before the train leaves but on popular routes especially during like peak times if you're going um you know morning or evening uh, maybe even, you know, sort of afternoon, um, then those economy tickets do sell out in my experience. So if you know exactly where you're going to be going, like if you know on this date, you're going to go from, you know, say Rome to Venice or something, it is worth booking in advance just so that you, you do get a slightly cheaper ticket. Um, but it's not exorbitantly more expensive if you don't book that ticket in advance and you just show up. It's not like the train sells out completely. You might just pay slightly more for a ticket, um, which is often worth the flexibility, right? I think that's one of the beauties of the train system in Italy is you can be more flexible. It's not like an airplane flight where you really have to plan it in advance. So you can kind of travel around. I always advise my friends when they're going to Italy, you know, go there, have a couple, you know, cities you want to visit or, or main things you want to do. And then just go with the flow, right? Don't don't schedule everything in advance. Have a couple days in an Airbnb or a hotel when you arrive. And then decide how you want to proceed. Because a lot of the cities tend to be fairly polarizing, I find. Like some people go to Rome, they love it. Others go to Rome, they hate it, right? Like I think you're one of the, the people that likes Rome more. For me, I, I love visiting Rome, but I wouldn't want to live there probably. Um, and then I lived in Napoli for a while. I love Napoli and, and living there or at least some aspects of it. Um, obviously it has its, its pros and cons, but a lot of people go to Napoli and they're, they're overwhelmed and, and would never want to you know, spend uh, more time there or would want to leave as quickly as possible. So leaving things kind of open-ended like that um, is always a good idea. Uh, as far as flexibility in cities and sort of um, getting around within the cities versus the sort of intercity trains. Uh, did you use the buses in Rome much or were you mostly using the subway? Um, so actually I want to go back and go on that, that the trains I never experienced, but it's also very possible that uh, I just didn't run into that. I will say I'm kind of spoiled. So I, I took the business class uh, and that always seemed to be the same price. Um, I also did not use Treno ever. I always used Trenitalia. Um, the one thing I left out and I, I should have included was 
you have to understand too these trains are taken by you know working class italians uh, or just you know anybody in italy so during the peak times so like after work gets out you know going to work whatever commute times uh or commuting times kind of like rush hour driving you know into a big city uh those tickets will be sold out or they'll be less available or something i have experienced that in the past uh, but in my experience and buying the business class tickets on Trinitalia, they were always the same price. They always had uh, the ticket to, tickets available, the same price in the app as the phone. So perhaps I'm just spoiled and I don't know. Um, it's, 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 you know, buyer beware. You obviously have a different experience. Um, I think people should really heed that as well because mine really only lends itself to kind of traveling, you know, the Rome, Florence, uh greater Napoli sort of a Campania region. So maybe if you're going from like Rome to Venice or, you know, Rome to Milan or Rome to Torino or something like that, uh, you will have a different, uh, different outcome than what I'm saying. So, uh, you know, as always, that that's the great part of having this uh, or some of the reason for having this podcast. We have different experiences, even though we went through the same thing. Um, in Rome, I used the subway for the most of uh, my inner city traveling. I did take the bus a lot. Uh, the buses in Rome never run on time. They, uh, the bus drivers, I don't want to say they take a lot of breaks, but it seems like there's a lot of infrequent stops uh, or very frequent stops at, you know, sort of inconvenient times or inconvenient times. Um, inner city Rome, though, you can pretty much reach anything by the subway. Uh, there's three lines, two of which are tourists. Uh, the third line, I'm not sure if it's done yet. I know it's going to be in like suburban Rome for a better, you know, for lack of a better term. And it might overlap with some uh, spots. I think the Coliseum is going to have, or the Coliseo station is going to have a stop there. But the blue line will take you basically to the Coliseo. I think that's really it. Whereas the red line will take you to um, the Vatican. It will take you to the Spanish Steps. It'll take you back to Germany, as will the blue line. Uh, the subway in Rome is pretty diverse. Uh, you, you know, you, you've got you've got a lot of choices. You've got a lot of ways to get around, and that was my preferred method, especially because you can buy a month long card uh, for forty something euro. So it, it made sense for me. Yeah, that was my experience in Milan as well. Um, I didn't live in Milan, but I I visited quite a few times um, and got around quite a bit in Milan. And I mostly took the subway, and then if for some reason, I was going somewhere the, the subway didn't have a, a station close by, then I would take the buses. But uh, generally, just for scheduling, the subway is going to get you there faster or at least more reliably. As you said, buses generally, Milan is a little bit better. And then, you know, you go further south and the, the bus schedules tend to slip more and more. I've heard Italians say that, you know, in Rome, the buses have no schedule. Um, and that's that's coming from Italians. So, I think it's probably a pretty accurate uh, description. Essentially, you know, they may be scheduled for every 10 minutes, but it could be anywhere between, you know, five minutes and 30 minutes before one shows up. Um, so if possible, I would say take the subway generally. Obviously, I, I think Milan and Rome are the only cities in Italy that actually have a, like a metro or subway system. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck with buses. Um, there, there are car sharing apps as well that a lot of people I know use uh, to get around in Italy, like Blah Blah Car. Those can be good for intercity stuff, especially if you're on a budget. 
Um, and then there are, there are some sort of informal, um, I don't know what you'd call them, like express vans or taxis that operate in like Napoli and I'm sure other places as well where it's like a private individual with a van and they charge a couple of euros and, and take you from, you know, say the outskirts of Napoli uh, into the city center or things like that. So if you happen to find yourself, you know, in a neighborhood outside of the, the center, that's worth, you know, asking around if there's something like that available, if there's no bus line or, or metro nearby. Um, and actually I said earlier, I think that only Rome and Milan had metro systems in, in Italy, but I know uh, Napoli does as well. So uh, that's worth clarifying. And then I don't think Florence has a metro system. I don't recall. I remember taking buses there only. Um, but the buses in Florence have found to be... They have a couple of trams. They don't, they don't have any subways I'm aware of. Yeah, that's that's correct. A lot of it's, it's all above ground. I think in Florence, it's problematic to try to uh, build tunnels because there's so much history buried under the city. Uh, that getting, you know, tunnels built would be difficult without destroying uh, artifacts and things like that. Yeah, that, that's actually a problem in Rome, too. Uh, that was one of the funny things about living in Rome was they're digging that third line uh, as they're expanding their subway network. And they had, I don't know, 15 or so, I, I don't know the exact number of stops planned. And they trimmed it in half because every time they dig somewhere, they'd find some new Roman whatever. And, uh, you know, there was, it was kind of like a joke among Italians. Every time they dig up the ground, they're finding something new. So it, uh, it, it's, it's uh, you know, Italy's an old country, got a lot of history. Uh, you know, it's, it's very impressive that they have such a network like that. Uh, it made my life, you know, very easy. If I had to go to a grocery store that wasn't local, I mean, I could be there in a couple minutes. Um, the subways are uh, relatively nice. Uh, depends on the train you get. Um, tourist season is pretty bad, you know, especially in Rome. It's actually kind of like sardines. Um, I would definitely recommend walking in the summer as opposed to taking a subway if you can, uh, because the buses and subways are going to be jam-packed full of people, and there's going to be a wait to get on either, or you're going to literally smush up against people. So definitely something to be aware of if you're around during tourist season uh, in Rome. Um and it's also very hot. There's no air conditioning in those. Or if there is, it's can't handle the, the amount of heat being put out. So uh, definitely something to think about. But uh, Italy's got a uh, really, you know, I think we're saying it has a tremendous uh, transport network. You know, for the traveler like me who wanted to go see everything and explore everything, it's, it's you know, it, it, it's picture perfect. Um, but obviously, you know, some people might have different experiences. And even more so with the, the buses you were talking about. Now, you lived there, and i have been to Napoli, but, you know, there, there was no bus network on Google Maps you could pull up. You know, that that's one of those, like, uh, apps. Uh, everyone knows what Google Maps is. But Google app, or Google Maps will let you interactively try to get anywhere you want. As long as you have a data connection, you can figure it out pretty easily. In Napoli, there's literally nothing that comes up. So it, it's, it's totally different than my experience in Rome, but... For the most part, the transportation was fantastic. Especially uh, coming from sort of an American perspective where we have, you know, subways or metro systems in some cities and buses in some cases um, and not much else outside of that, right? Like you have your inner city buses sometimes, some trains, uh, but it's, it's quite unusual to say take the train from 
San Francisco to LA or something, and it, it takes quite a long time. Um, the, the, you know, public transit system was very impressive. I hear like uh, Germans, for example, complaining about the Italian uh, public transit. Um, but, you know, that's that's just sort of a relative level of expectation, I think, where if you're American and you're coming to Italy, it's going to be quite impressive. If you're uh, German and you're used to trains, like being able to set your watch by the trains or something, uh, you know, maybe not quite as much, but it's bottom line, it's a great way to get around Italy. Um, and you'll, you'll see things that you wouldn't see if you were just in a car the whole time or something or in a tour bus. Um, so definitely, you know, think about, think about doing some stuff on your own. If you're going to a major city like Milan or Rome or something, um, rather than say taking a pre-guided tour and having someone drive you around the whole time or, or things like that, you're going to get a much more authentic sort of look at Italian life. If you're taking public transit with you know, local people and things like that. Um, as far as actual expenses, do you remember how, uh, how much a ticket for like the, uh, metro system in Rome costs? Uh, I want to say 150 Euro for a one way. Uh, and you can buy those at tobacco shops. You can buy them through the kiosks. Uh, they're pretty much available everywhere. It's a dollar 50 for a one way. I want to say it's four fifty for a, uh, 90 minute or 180 round trip ticket. Uh, and, and that just means you can use it on limited times in that period of time. I think it's 20 bucks a day or something. I, I'm not sure. I, I pretty much bought the month long pass immediately. So wasn't really, uh, on my radar, but I believe it's 150. Uh, I know, uh, outside of all this Venice, which is a beautiful city, but extremely expensive. Uh, the one way like water cab rides, I think are 750. So... It uh, that that one's kind of a you know out there, but I think everywhere, at least with the ATAC company ATAC, it's a it's a euro fifty. I think Milan was around a euro forty, so somewhere in that that same kind of range. Um, and definitely anywhere you go in Italy, look into like if you're there for more than a week, look into weekly or monthly passes, um, or even daily passes. In in uh, Venice, as you mentioned, it's quite expensive to take like even a single water taxi trip and within venice proper that is the only public transit they have is is water taxis they or water buses really they're not they call them water taxis but they're really water buses right it's a big boat it's like a ferry boat it has it has set stops and you hop on and then you also have these private taxi boats that will take you directly to your destination which are are much more expensive um but for the water uh ferry or bus um sort of bigger shared boats um it's expensive for a single trip but if you get a like a one day or a three day pass you can cut that down a lot and then you can sort of take it as much as you want so uh always look into those options the first time i was in venice i i paid by the trip for like the first day or two think i ended up spending like 50 euros on you know trips around uh around venice in the first day and then realized i could have gotten like a three-day pass for like 70 euros or something like that so uh, and that would have covered, you know, everything for three days. Um, and I did get a one day pass or something and, and, you know, brought the cost down for the second and third days that I was there. But it's always worth looking into that. Just ask the ticketing people or, you know, tourist information spots will have, you know, information on that kind of thing. Generally, um, any major uh, station in Italy will usually have like uh, tourist information or transit information booths where you can get uh, timetables and usually they'll have like something in English 
and other you know European languages for tourists passing through. Um, so they really they really try to you know help people out to use the public transportation system as well. Even though like signage will generally be in Italian, um, you can usually find an English brochure with like timetables and things like that as well. Um, with the trains too, this is something that probably doesn't shouldn't need to be said, but you know unfortunately does. Uh, or, you know, happens. Um, don't be the slime ball that gets on a train without a ticket. A lot of people do that. Um, you know, so there's only two train stations in all of Italy that have sort of outward security, and that's Rome and Milan. And what that means is those are the only two stations where you have to show a ticket to be able to get on a train. Uh, there's like sort of a almost like a glass barrier between you and the trains and you have to show one of them your ticket and off you go. Um, that might be different now, but that was my experience back in 2017 or 2018. I'm sorry. Um, there are a lot of people who get on trains without the proper ticket or, you know, the wrong ticket that I have a feeling they're probably a little bit less strict on. I've seen people get busted and, you know, usually it's it's not a huge deal. I have also seen people get on trains without tickets, and that's not something you want to do. Um, they will come around to any bullet train and check your ticket while you're on the train. And if you do not have a ticket, police are on the train and they will come get you. Uh, if there's not a police officer on the train, they will, you know, whatever radio ahead. And it's not like you can get off the train. You're stuck on it. Uh, you're going to get arrested. Um, there is a fine associated with it. Uh, it's, I want to say, like 1,500 euro or something crazy. Don't don't be that person. Uh, the same thing with buses. The same things with subways. Don't don't uh, don't don't do that. It's it's not that expensive to get transport. You know, one of the things with uh, the day pass you're talking about in Rome, they have like a Rome pass that for like three days you get discounted pricing to everything. And you get a couple free entrances at a couple big places, and you get three or four days on the the the, uh, the public transportation, whether that's bus, train, whatever. Um, don't be that person that decides to abuse that system because you might get away with it once, but you know they're out there looking for people, and uh, on the bullet trains especially, they will check your ticket on the middle of the train, and they're going to scan it to validate it. So it's, it's, uh, and that actually goes to a different point about validating your ticket. Any train you ride that you don't select your seat, you have to validate your ticket for. It's like a little time clock, essentially, like you were clocking into work. You, uh, you, you stamp your ticket with some time. So just something to be aware of. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't cheat the system. You know, that's kind of the, the theme of this podcast anyways, but I've seen it firsthand. It doesn't turn out well for you. Don't, don't be that person. I, I completely agree with that. I think it is worth mentioning. You won't get arrested for not having a ticket. Um, it's not a it's not a criminal offense in Italy. It is a uh, well, maybe it is actually criminal, but there it's not an arrestable offense. Uh, but they will absolutely fine you. They will potentially hold your passport until you pay it. Um, it is a serious thing, and as you said, just don't do it. Um, the time card validation that you mentioned, so. Any, as you mentioned, any sort of train where you're not buying a seat, 
you're getting an open-ended ticket that's good for one trip. Generally, it's good for sort of any time on that train. You just, you know, buy a ticket and then you can use it for one trip on that train from this place to this place or within one zone or something anytime you want. And so that's how you sort of validate a ticket before you get on the train so you can't reuse it. Um, but when you do validate it, those punch machines or the it's a stamp actually that you you stick the card in and then you know it'll it'll stamp your ticket with the date and time. Those do run out of ink sometimes. So I did have a friend who got hassled because he validated his ticket and the machine was out of ink and it was it was almost un you know readable. Um, and they gave him some hassle about that, but they were able to kind of hold it up to light and see that it had actually been validated and it was okay, but it was kind of a close call. So just just keep that in mind if you do validate the ticket. Make sure it actually uh, stamps it. And if it doesn't, just go find another validation machine. There's usually a few of them in, in any sort of station or on every track. And, you know, uh, make sure that it is actually validated before you uh, take the train ride. That's interesting about the train ticket. I, um, I've i seen firsthand someone getting arrested, but perhaps I just didn't understand the context. Uh, and that's very possible. But... Uh, that that's actually very surprising to me. I didn't I didn't know that that was not an arrestable thing based on my experience. Perhaps it's not, but either way, don't don't be that person. Uh, like I've seen kids do it on the slow train between Naples and Rome, and they usually just kick them off the train. If you're on the bullet train, it's a lot more serious. Uh, if they come by to scan your ticket and you don't have one, there's usually a cop on board who's going to come talk to you next. Um, which is when I watch that person get off the train in handcuffs. Mm-hmm that that could also be something entirely different. Maybe there was something wrong with them. I don't know. But, you know, at the end of the day, I guess the point of all that is, is do not, uh, don't, don't game the system. It's not worth it. Um, and also, since we're talking about validating, you have to validate your day passes as well. If you're taking the uh, bus or subway, uh, you only have to do it once though. So if, if it's a, if it's a three day pass, the first time you validate it, is you know the last time you'll have to validate it when you get on like buses or you know wherever you'll see people constantly jamming their ticket in the machine Uh, if you've already done it once and stamped the time when you started using it you do not have to do it again that's a great point because in some areas right you buy a say a three-day pass and it starts at the moment that you buy it Um, in italy you can buy a three-day pass and just keep it with you for a couple of days if you don't want to use it yet. And then the first trip you take with it, as you said, you validate it and that's when your three days starts. Um, and part of the reason for that is that a lot of people will buy, say a bunch of tickets in advance for like one day passes or, you know, tickets for a specific trip they do. And in Italy, a lot of tickets are sold at tobacco shops. Um, and that's, that's something else that's probably worth explaining because we don't really have that in the U.S., um, would you would you call a tobacco shop like a convenience? It's not really a convenience store. It's it's more like almost like a, a newspaper booth, um, like you see in New York. Yeah, it's kind of like a coffee shop. Yeah, it's it's, it's weird. It's it's a little bit everything. Um, Tabachi, I believe, is how you say it. But um, yeah, it's 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 not a it's not like a smoker shop. It's kind of weird. It's it's their version of. A convenience store, I suppose, but they don't really have convenience stores in my experience. Like, I mean, kind of they do at some of the train stations, but those are really kind of like, you know, Americanized, just tossed in there. When you start walking around everyday Italy, like 
it's a different place. It's it's not like uh, it's not like you know wherever you're from. Um, you know, a tobacco shop is literally like you said. It's like half a newsstand, half a coffee shop. You know, it's 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 a little bit weird. Um, they all have great coffee. I, I, I don't think I've had a bad cup of coffee in Italy, but uh, uh, yeah, it's not like a smoker shop. It don't let tobacco shop fool you. I I heard tobacco shop the first time when someone told me, "Oh, go buy you know a um, go buy a ticket at the Tabachi," right? And it was. It was confusing at first, and then I, I sort of realized like they're kind of everywhere, and they sell cigarettes and newspapers, and some of them sell coffee, and um, in tourist areas they'll sell postcards as well, and stamps, and you know things like that. Like it's sort of it is kind of the closest thing probably uh, that would be like true to Italy um, to a convenience store, but it, it won't have a lot of the things that say an American convenience store would have um, because there's just no need for some of those things sort of in, in Italian daily life. Um, something else sort of along the same lines is the grocery stores in Italy tend to fall into two categories. So you'll have uh, supermarkets, which are giant, you know, sort of supermarkets that are sort of resemble what you'd see in the U.S., typically with a bit less sort of variety. So you'll have like, say, two or three types of shampoo instead of 200. Um, and, you know, you'll have maybe maybe two options for some type of food instead of you know 50 or something um tends to be a lot the food tends to be a lot fresher of course in italy the the produce especially is typically locally grown even at the supermarkets um you know so you'll see you see a lot less sort of probably processed uh ingredients a lot more pasta types of pastas uh sauces you know things like that kind of what you'd expect in Italy. Um, and then you'll have a lot of smaller sort of neighborhood grocery stores as well uh, that sort of seem superficially like a convenience store when you first see them. But in reality, the stuff they sell is, is nothing alike. Um, and on the lifestyle sort of side of things, typically those smaller grocery stores will be run by a family. Uh, it'll be some kind of family business and you'll have maybe, you know, parents and kids, you know, working there and maybe they even live above it or something like that. Um, or probably they live, you know, at least in the same neighborhood nearby. And those will typically open in the morning between 8 a.m. and 11 a.m., depending on, you know, when the owner uh, sort of decides to open it that day. Um, they'll close in the afternoon, say around 1 or 2 p.m. and then reopen again late afternoon, 3, 4 p.m. and stay open until 6 to 10 p.m. depending on the neighborhood and the owner and what they feel like doing that day. So if you're American and you're used to like 24-hour, you know, sort of convenience stores and, and that sort of ability to go out at 10 p.m. and go shopping for groceries, it's a bit of an adjustment. Um, a lot of people like that. It's, it's considered, you know, sort of positive adjustment, myself included. I think it's, uh, you know, it's kind of nice to have those constraints of like, doing things during business hours sometimes um, it can be a lot more relaxing, but you do have to keep that in mind. Like if you, if you run out of something at 10 PM, you're going to have to wait until the next morning to get it. And you also have to sort of keep in mind that, you know, the store will not necessarily be open on a specific schedule because it is a family that runs it. If they have something going on that day, they might just, you know, open it for a couple hours or even not at all. Um, it's not nearly as sort of regular or, you know, 
rigid as uh, American stores tend to be. Uh, and that's, that's true of Napoli for sure. It's uh, somewhat true of Rome, I know from experience. Milan, I think that the further north you go uh, in Italy, the more regular the schedules tend to get, but there's still quite a lot of that in Milan as well, I know. So uh, just something to keep in mind, you know, if you're shopping there, um, you know, the schedule that, you know, sort of the stores run on is their schedule and they're not going to cater to your schedule. You'll have to sort of organize things around uh, their schedule and when they're open. And that, that's true of most businesses, I think, in Italy. It, it's a little bit less customer centric and more um, lifestyle centric and, and family owned and, and not as sort of generally available or catering to the customer and the masses as you uh, you might see in the U.S. Yeah, and actually to go back on the tobacco shop too, they also sell a lot of government stuff. I, um, there was a tax stamp called a marketable, uh, and you need that for anything like official. So like sworn translations or I think anything that goes to the government, you need that stamp. Uh, and it's like 16 euro or something. You have to pay cash for it. So those are those are much more a part of, uh, of society than just a you know, what we were mentioning before. Um, one thing I think we should discuss with people who are traveling to is, is, you know, just sort of distances in Italy. Um, if you're flying into, let's say Rome and you want to travel between Rome and wherever, uh, you have to get into center city. You know, the, the airports are not really in center city. They're actually nowhere near. That seems to be like every major city in Italy. So if you fly into, let's say, Rome and you need to take a uh, train to get to Center City or a bus or cab, whatever, uh, you have to go back to Termini uh, unless you're, you know, taking a cab directly to your, your hotel or Airbnb or whatever. Um, that's all got to kind of be figured in. You, you've got a lot of distance between, you know, sort of the transport hubs and then where you're trying to go. It's all broken up. That's the only sort of struggle I think I had was. You know, in Rome, I had to go from my place to Termini, then to the trains, and then go where I wanted to go, and then had to take that to some place. That was that was probably the most inconvenient part of all the public transportation. But that also might just be me, who you know has not ever lived in a in a community or a country that has a a great public transportation. Though that's that's probably a product of the way the cities are laid out as well, I think, where old cities tend to have a uh, very prominent defined city center. And then it kind of radiates out. There'll be like a ring road or in some cases, multiple ring roads that circle the city. And then the rest of the roads are like spokes coming out almost like on a wheel. And the public transit tends to follow those spokes, right? So if the airport is outside of the the sort of uh, inner center of the city, then to get to sort of the the hub where all of the trains and buses leave from, you got to follow one of those spokes back into the center and then take another one back out to go where you're going to go. Um, so there's not going to be a direct connection. So Rome is a great example, right? They've got the, the two airports there um, whose names I forget at the moment, but uh, you know, either one of those airports, you're going to have to take, if you want to go, say, to um, Venice from Rome or to Napoli from Rome, you'll have to take a bus or the metro from the airport to Termini, which is the, the 
you know, train station in the center of, of Rome and then take a train from there to, to Napoli or to Venice or wherever you're going. Um, so that's something to factor in when you're uh, going to the airport to leave. If you're coming from a, say, a smaller town outside of Rome, just keep in mind you'll have to go to the center of Rome and then from the center of Rome, get another train going to the airport or take the, the subway going to the airport. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a great point. As far as, you know, scheduling goes, you, you do want to keep that sort of, uh, transport paradigm, I guess you could call it in mind where you are, you are going to be going to the center. Yeah. It, it takes time, man. It takes time to get between like, like cities, like, uh, um, you know, one of the things my cousin and I did that was wrong is we took some slow trains and that took up a ton of time and that they're cheaper, but they're not that much cheaper. Um, it would take, you know, three hours to get between three to four hours to get between Naples and Rome. And while it was cheaper, you know, the bullet trains there in an hour, not even like 50 minutes. So, you know, just, just be aware that, uh, this is probably just the inexperience on my side, but just be aware that, um, you know, thing just because it says 50 minutes to get to someplace, you know, kind of got to approximate the extra time in, but. You know, I, I, the whole theme, I think, of this episode, and we've covered travel a lot, not so much living, but is, you know, we both really enjoyed our time in Italy. Uh, you know, me so much, I'm going to go back. I assume you are, too. Um, Italy is got a, you know, sort of vibrant uh, culture. There is so much to see, and it's very accessible uh, with the public transportation. And if you don't get to see something... You know, you're just not trying hard enough. You know, it's 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 anything you want to see in Italy, you know, short of, let's say, Sicily, is pretty much available via the train network. And in my experience, it's it's second to none. Uh, you know, again, I'm not Swiss or German, but it's 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 got a lot of positives. And it's it's a it's a, for me, the you know, the spoiled traveler who is riding uh, business tickets. Yeah, I think the only exception to that, um, as far as accessibility, as you mentioned, Sicily, I think is less accessible um, directly and it has less public transit generally available when you're within Sicily. And then just some parts in the south of Italy also, um, a lot of the smaller towns are less accessible. So uh, I think I mentioned it earlier in this episode, but generally if you're going south of, say, Napoli and the Amalfi Coast, uh, you might want to consider getting a car. Um, maybe some of the bigger towns down there, you know, you could get around by by train. You could certainly get around by bus to some of them. Uh, but some of the nicest places, especially along the coastline and things like that, are very small towns. And if there is a bus, it probably runs a couple times a day. Um, so you really have to either plan in advance or, you know, rent a car. Um, I believe that if you have an American license, you're allowed to drive in Italy for... I think it's up to like three months once you arrive uh, before you need to, to convert your license. It might even be longer than that. So um, that's always an option. Car rentals are not that expensive. Um, so I know we've kind of been advocating for the public transit system. Uh, but if you do plan to go you know, further in the south, then it's worth thinking about where you want to go and what you want to do and whether a car makes sense as well. Um, you do want to consider sort of whether you're comfortable driving there because the driving style is very different. Um, it's, it's definitely more chaotic and sort of less rules based than it is in the U S uh, as you go North in Italy, it gets a little more organized, but 
the south of Italy is definitely uh, an interesting driving experience. I don't know if you uh, drove at all, Ben, when you were there. You know, I, I considered running a Ferrari for my birthday, but uh, I couldn't find anything that uh, was not like 3,000 euro a day. Um, so, yeah, that, that didn't happen. Um, the, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't do any driving. Well, I, I did rode with people in their car, I suppose, but I personally did not drive anywhere. Um, Italy is a different world when it comes to driving. It really is. The roads are different. The, the rules are different. Um, we also certainly, you know, don't want to jump in all just public transportation, but, uh, it's, it's, it's a different world in my very short experience with it. So I uh, can't really provide a whole lot of insight beyond get ready to be kind of shell-shocked because it's not as polite as America. It's a little bit more aggressive, um, a bit less organized and sort of, you know, rule-based or, or rule-following. Um, traffic kind of has, has a bit more of a lively flow to it. Uh, one other thing that has uh, caught some of my friends who rented cars in Italy, and, and I didn't rent a car, but I, I did drive a friend's car around a bit down in Napoli and stuff. Um, and a lot of my friends ended up with parking tickets that got billed back to their car rental company who then, you know, in turn billed them for them. So parking in, uh, the city center of pretty much any city in Italy is complex to say the least. There are, uh, and also even driving in the city center. So they'll have like, um, tariffs or uh, I'm not sure what the, uh, Italian term for it would be, but. There are fees just for driving into the city center or on certain roads in the city center. Um, some of them are time-based on specific times of day, or some of them are just universal. But you can, you know, you can end up with sort of uh, fees or tickets for, you know, parking in the wrong spot, staying in the wrong spot too long, um, you know, going on certain roads at certain times of day. There's a lot of complexities there. So generally, I would recommend. If you do rent a car, um, rent it to get between cities or go around like small towns and things, say in the south of Italy, you don't want to be driving a car around the middle of Rome or Milan. Um, unless you live there, it just makes no sense. There's there's plenty of public transit, as we as we talked about. If you do rent a car, you know, use it to go from the city to smaller places that maybe don't have public transit, but you don't want to be driving around the center of Rome or something and trying to find parking and and all those things. Um, it's, it's just chaotic. It's, uh, you know, it's confusing. And if you, especially if you don't, you know, read Italian, you're not going to be able to necessarily read all the, all the signs with, you know, parking instructions. And, you know, if you don't, didn't grow up there, you don't understand how all that works. It's, it's definitely complex and confusing. Uh, I certainly wouldn't want to want to have to figure that out. So, Stay out of the cities if you rent a car, but definitely consider it if you're in the south or somewhere without public transit. Um, as far as, you know, sort of lifestyle and, and stuff, how did you find the uh, food and sort of restaurant scene in Italy in general? Did you eat out a lot or did you end up doing a lot of like cooking of your own? Yeah, so something we've talked about a lot before is, is both of us like to eat out. Um, I probably ate out once a day, maybe twice. It depends. It would depend on my schedule and what I was doing. But, um, to be honest, I got sick of Italian food pretty quickly and there's some fantastic Italian food. Um, I'm a little bit more inclined towards Sicilian food, 
Um, maybe it's just because there was less of it up in Rome, but um, that was pretty much what I leaned towards the most. But I also ate out a lot with, uh, not Chinese, but I ate some Japanese. I ate a lot of Indian food. Um, and then, of course, I did some shopping. And you know, you're spot on, too, talking about the, the quality of the product with Italian grocers. Uh, it's infinitely better. Uh, it's actually kind of surprising. You know, maybe we're just all spoiled as Americans, but, uh, you know, food lasts longer in America than it does in Italy. I remember one day I bought some chicken and I left it in my fridge for maybe 24 to 36 hours and it was bad. And, uh, I kind of did an experiment. I bought some more chicken at a different store and the same thing happened. So I realized pretty quickly, either my fridge is broken, which it was not, or, um, you know, the chicken's not coordinated or whatever that process is in the U.S. I'm not an expert in any of that. I don't really know anything about it. But it's very clear that their their quality of food and their food standards are different. And also just little things like tomatoes in Italy taste like a tomato. You know, I, I've obviously grew up in the U.S., lived there, and now back in the U.S. Um, tomatoes here taste like water. It's 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 kind of weird. It's it, There's a massive difference in the food available in Italy and the quality of that product and, you know, just, just sort of, you know, the, the connection to it. I totally understand why Italian food has such a cultural, you know, sort of uh, clause into everything because it's, it's, it's the lifeblood of who they are, but it's also, uh, it's also, it's, it's, it's something to be experienced and you're not going to experience that, you know, next to the Spanish steps eating at a restaurant, you're going to have to find a, a non-tourist place or, somewhere that's a little bit off the beaten path and you're going to really get into that really quality Italian. The, the difference between American Italian food or Italian style American food, I guess you could say, and Italian food in Italy is, is night and day. Like many of the dishes are almost unrecognizable. Uh, pizza being you know, one of them, right? You certainly won't find pineapple on pizza, which is, you know, sort of a, a famous example but even just the pizza itself is completely different. So we have Italian style pizza in the U.S., uh, but even that doesn't really c- capture the nuances of like the Neapolitan style of pizza versus the Roman style, where the Roman style has you know sort of a harder, thin, crispy crust, and the Neapolitan style is, is softer, and, and um, the crust tends to be almost you know undercooked um, or not not really undercooked, but you know more doughy. Um, you know, there's just so many nuances like that in Italian food. The pasta's the same way. The the pastas that you'll get, the things you can get on your pasta, the different sauces and and things like that, are are totally different than what you'd see in the U.S. You don't have meatballs on spaghetti, for example. That's an American uh, sort of invention. So you know, we've taken Italian style food in the U.S. and then adapted it. But the ingredients that are available in the U.S. are totally different, um, usually not as fresh. They're more processed, right? Uh, so the taste profile, even if you have, say, tomato sauce, like you said, the tomatoes taste different, um, which makes, you know, say, tomato sauce taste totally different. Really, most of the produce that you'll get in Italy uh, is just far more fresh. And you don't get, like... Like tomatoes in the U.S. are picked green generally, and then they're ripened, um, you know, in a container or something, and then and they're brought into the grocery store once they ripen up after they're picked. Um, and that's because they transport them long distances in trucks. 
they'll crush themselves in the truck if you, you know, pick them when they're already ripe. So they pick them green, transport them, and then they ripen them up, you know, in a warehouse or something and then, and then sell them. In Italy, generally, it's like the farmer goes and picks the tomatoes and the next day they're on the shelf of the, the supermarket. So just a totally different paradigm. There's, there's probably less, you know, pesticides and chemicals and things like that used in Italy as well. Um, the produce often won't look as good, especially like fruits, for example, will have some flaws because they don't just throw out an apple if it has a slight blemish on it. Um, in the U.S., that's, you know, typically uh, if an apple has a blemish or something, they'll get rid of it. In Italy, that's, you know, it's still an apple. They're not going to waste it um, and it'll still taste great. Uh, so just generally speaking, you know, as you said, the the freshness of the ingredients you can buy um, is, is just so much greater in, in Italy that things do taste different. And that affects all food you'll get, whether you're at a restaurant or you go to the, you know, grocery store to buy things, you're doing your own cooking. It's just going to be a lot fresher, um, you know, and more flavorful than the American counterparts in many cases. Um, probably less salty, maybe less fatty. Um, there's an emphasis on sort of really experiencing the freshness of a few really high quality ingredients rather than like using a lot of different spices and flavors and ingredients together um, to create more of sort of an overwhelming taste, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, the, the, that was, that was a huge shock for me. You know, it's, it's, uh, I've been on the hunt for some good, um, way porchetta, but also prosciutto since I've been home and it's night and day different. I mean, I've gone to high end Italian grocers here. I've gone to like suppliers. I've, I'm literally on the, I'm a fiending almost for a prosciutto and uh, there's nothing close. There's, and they, I mean, even cheap Parma prosciutto, which is not, not, you know, your extremely high quality, like Modena or something like that. But it, it's just, you're not going to find even that here. You know, Parma ham is not prosciutto. It's, it's really not. So it's, it's kind of uh, it, it's 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 we have a totally different to taste buds, totally different expectations. You are right about the Italian American food. Like, um, you're not going to find vodka sauce there. You're not going to find um, fettuccine alfredo. You're probably not going to find chicken parmesan, at least with noodles. Uh, there, there's there's a lot of differences. They don't have garlic bread sticks. You know, there's no garlic bread. Um, you know, most things are like stale bread that they crisp up and they put uh, like andouille or something on, which is like a spreadable salami. Um, you know, their, their food is very, somewhat very much more functional than ours. You know, I think we're very much taste eaters in America and I think they are too, but you know, they'll use everything in the pantry and they really will. Like, you know, that, that, you know, that coined line about like your, you know, your Italian grandmother being able to cook anything. It's because she probably has cooked everything. You know, she's used day-old bread to create, uh, you know, something, you know, breadcrumb or bruschetta or something like that. So, you know, it, it's it's a totally different world. Uh, that was actually something I was very shocked by, but you know, pretty welcome. You know, it's really changed my my food choices since I've been home. Uh, it's really sort of educated me or at least, uh, you know, sort of, you know, pulled me out of that traditional American high-carb, high-sugar diet. The flip side of that, uh, I found, was that I did 
I did find myself wanting other sort of flavors after some time. Um, down in Napoli, it's, it's pretty difficult to find non-Italian food, right? So the pizza is, you know, out of this world, right? Napoli is kind of the, uh, the home of pizza. It's where it, where it started. Um, it, it's absolutely incredible. The pasta, it's incredible. The seafood, it's incredible. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to under, or it's hard to overstate just how, you know, fresh and, and amazing the, the food there is. But if you grew up in the U S like I did in, in a city like San Francisco, where you've got every type of food from, from every culture in the world, almost at your fingertips, and you're used to eating sort of that variety, then I think you'll find yourself missing some of that. I definitely did when I was there. I, I found myself missing like Indian food, um, Chinese food. You can get some of that in Napoli, but it's, it's not very good. Um, just the, the spices and the flavors are, are not even remotely similar. Um, you know, sushi was not great. Um, you know, things like that. So don't go to Italy expecting to get great sort of uh, food from other cultures or ethnicities. Um, you know, expect to eat really good Italian food, but you do have to realize you won't have as much sort of variety as you might get in a major American city where you've got, you know, food from, from dozens of different cultures and excellent restaurants in all those categories. Yeah, I might have had a different experience in Rome because it's just so large. Um, there's like, there's some traditional Italian spots I found uh, that, you know, I, I can eat at continually, but I, I very much like you, I, I, I got sick of Italian food pretty quickly, or at least wanted more variety. And uh, I sort of gravitated towards Indian food and, and Japanese food. And there were some Chinese places, but those are <laughs> actually kind of funny story. I ordered orange chicken one time and I expected orange chicken like in America. Now, they literally sold me, like, Tyson chicken nuggets with orange slices on them. So that kind of ruined that one for me. But uh, th- there's so many different food places, and there's a lot of Americanization there. So I had a lot of choices. Um, there was, like, a sandwich place called Breddy I ordered from a couple times, at least once a week. Um, I ordered Indian at least once a week. There was a Sicilian place I ordered yeah, somewhat often, but... There's there's a lot of really good uh, food places. There's some good food delivery. There's also, you know, you can get anywhere. So it wasn't very hard to go get on the uh, the bus real quick, go get some food and come back or walk up the street, whatever I had to do. But, um, you know, there uh, there were some great food choices in, in Rome, probably based on the size. There was a lot of great restaurants that weren't Italian food in the city of Rome. Uh, and also, I know everyone says they, you know, their grandmother makes the best cannoli or whatever. I'd be, you know, I have to say this is there's a place in Cipro. It's called. Oh, it's like Sicilian pastry or pastries by Sicilians. It's it's I'll look it up. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, they have by far the best cannoli in all of Italy. Uh, you know, that that's a big claim. But, you know, I, I've, I've come from an Italian family. I live in an Italian community. Uh, the cannolis and this, the, the desserts and sort of all that they have there is worlds better than anything else uh, that I've, I've ever had. Uh, they, I, they obviously care about their product. 
but uh, they also have just a tremendous, tremendous product. So if you're in Rome and you're by the Vatican, go walk down towards the Cipro station. Uh, I forget the name of the road. It's the main road that comes off the Vatican. I want to say it's Gregorio something, but that canoe place, right-hand side of the street. Um, I'll have to look up the name. Well, again, we'll put it in the show notes. Best cannoli in Rome for sure. Good to hear. Uh, and that's interesting that you you were able to find sort of, um, you know, other types of food in, in Rome. I guess that's kind of expected given the uh, amount of tourists that go through from so many different cultures and then also the uh, sort of expat presence in Rome. Um, I guess I should have expected that, but I, I didn't spend enough time in Rome to, uh, you know, spend a lot of time searching for those type of places. Um, Milan definitely had more of that. I, I think I had some good sushi in Milan, uh, maybe some Indian food as well, if I remember correctly. Um, so, so yeah, probably Milan and Rome, you can, you can get a bit more of that, but then as you go to slightly smaller cities, um, or probably more Southern cities as well, uh, like Napoli, uh, that's going to drop off a bit. So just, you know, something to keep in mind if you're really attached to, um, you know, your Mexican food or your Chinese food or Indian food or something, um, you know, you're, you're probably gonna have to work a bit harder to, to find it if you're outside of Rome or Milan or something like that. I actually just found the place on Google. It's called in English, the Sicilian pastry, uh, in Italian, it's the, and I'm going to butcher this. Uh, I'm actually not even gonna try to say it, but basically it's the pastry Siciliana. So, it is on, it's actually on Cipro the Road. So I would uh, definitely recommend anybody to, uh, to find that spot and, uh, you know, uh, enjoy. All right. I think that's a, an excellent point to wrap this up. Um, any, any closing notes or thoughts um, before we're done here? Yeah, don't go in an Italian grocer and ask for Parmesan. They're going to look at you like you're stupid. <laughs> it's Parmigiano. Parmesan, depending on who you're talking to. Yep, and don't ask for pepperoni on your pizza either. Yeah, that's, that's, a, uh, that's not a thing. Pepper. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, there's a lot. Oh, the other thing too about pizza. Just a quick end here is, is there's a third type of pizza, if you will, quotations in Rome. It's called teglia. Uh, it means literally cut. So what they do is, so a normal pizza, you know, you get a whole pizza in Napoli. They give you their version, whatever. Uh, in Rome, they have pizza that are in really thin there. It's thin like a Roman pie, but it's, it's in squares. And what they'll do is they actually cut it up and then they weigh it and they sell it to you by the weight. So definitely, definitely a, a different experience. Look for any place that sells pizza that's got Teglia written on it. I would definitely recommend it. It's actually a great pizza place in Italy. I just thought of right now called Mr. Teglia. I think it's a chain, but. I know there's at least one, uh, and they have a carbonara pizza. Uh, it sounds weird. If you've never had guanciale, which is pig cheek, that's fantastic. But I would definitely recommend you try the carbonara pizza from Mr. Teglia. Excellent. All right. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up.